Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 313 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I am your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 313. So each week, we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live video show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. Alrighty, so our tool for today is a platform called crawlq.ai, C-R-A-W-L-Q.ai. What is it? Well, it's an automated business document creation. Now, for those familiar with some platforms like DocuSign or DocSketch, which just changed over to a different company that... uh, bought them and reacquainted and so forth. It's not about getting authorized signatures. If for those who have been around for a while know that originally PDFs were the way to go because they were unalterable documentations that could be certified that if they were sent, if it was resent again, it was shown as an unauthorized document because only the recipient was authorized to see it from the originator on and on and on. Um, and it's not for just a signatures only that says, I, Lauren Gray, sign your name at such and such date, insert date, you know, uh, kind of thing. It's about creating dynamic fields or conditional fields of, of filling in information. So yeah, you can buy a series of questions, which is also mobile based, which makes this kind of fun and interesting. Um, you're able to go over and ask people, what's your name, what's your address, what's and it puts it into the document that you need. Now, that's the function value of this. And you can imagine this from contracts and invoices and so forth. It's being very helpful. Uh, it does do what DocuSign and others do, which authenticates signatures and what have you, should you need to use that. But what is of value in our discussion today is its uniqueness of creating dynamic field contents as conditional means of creating content that is then shared back Um, it is to expedite certain things so that you're not doing the same thing over even if you had a document that said um, i state your name and you have to put the name in of x date enter the date of x address enter the address it's not where you have to click between fields to enter data what you can do is send this link over and the recipient can fill it in or if your internal team simply is filling in a required same document process um, you puts the information in. and if there's any conditions to that like well this is going to be a smurf business compared to a corporate business by answering a question a conditional question a yes or no then a different form field will enter in saying well you have to add this additional information into it it doesn't create or can but it, you don't need it for for this for the example purposes to create an official document in as much as it's creating official documentation information that's filled in to be used elsewhere for other things so the tool is crove 
Okay, C-R-O-V-E.app. And it is the website of crawlq.ai, C-R-A-W-L-Q.ai. And that is our tool of the week. Now, for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week, obviously related to our tool, is needs versus resources, the new dilemma. So why I picked this tool out, crawlq.ai, which is actually Crave, Crove, uh, is to really go about uh, talking about the needs to create higher efficiencies. Realities being present as they may. We know prior to COVID, we were already dealing with a unique labor shortage based on interest and the type of offerings of compensation that our industry was giving. We've always run on the rail of, well, we are the first entry job for most people. Those that get bitten by the hospitality bugs stay, those that don't move on. Um, and then those people that think they're going elsewhere, but they keep coming back to using hospitality as their crutch of work because they have the experience from having done it so many times, they end up staying in the industry. Those days are pretty much gone. Um, they were going that way before COVID. COVID only exacerbated the situation from the pandemic side, where it allowed people to evaluate what truly they want to do in life. And for some of, and most of them, when given the government supplements, perhaps, they were able to go over and go through the additional education that they needed because they had now the time to do it to venture into a new career. And then we also forced that on a lot of people. We didn't have jobs to offer because of the restrictions associated with the pandemic. And people that really truly wanted to stay in the industry didn't have an option to stay in the industry and found other means of employment that were both you know, substantively better in the sense of compensation, but also something they started to enjoy to do. All of those added together into a perfect storm of where we are now of even less labor resource available for our industry. Unfortunately, our industry is based on labor people. And for that reason, a lot of things that we do are labor intensive. And that labor intensivity without the resource means that things don't get done. So for that reason, the tool like Crove, okay, um, which is crawlq.ai or crawlq.ai um, is a high value. And what do I mean by this? Well, I'm going to take the sales office example first. You have a standard forms of contact information, BEOs, banquet event orders for those that may not know the acronym, uh, content of sales contracts, conditions of contracts, and or also content that's shared with the client that have to be sent to them. Now, obviously, you don't want it to be so generic that they feel like they just got a Xeroxed copy of what you send to everyone. You want their name on it. You want their information on it, so forth. This is usually regulated to an assistant or junior salesperson to go through the time-consuming, mundane, not the person in charge time to go over and do this. It's a waste of a high-end person to do this. When they should be out selling, they hand this to somebody that's in a supporting role. Well, that person doesn't exist right now. And as a matter of fact, the salesperson might be in charge of more than the original department of sales. They might be doing the marketing as well and or augmenting revenue management or vice versa. Revenue management might be taking on sales roles. Whatever it is, nobody's doing this stuff. And this is the stuff that needs to get done. So if you were to take a platform like crawlq.ai, Crove, and create a system in which there's a conditional relationship saying, okay, we're going to send back information to our client about what we do or what we've agreed to do and so forth. Not necessarily a contract, it is a banquet event order, like putting the information in. By answering a series of questions or field entries, what is the person's name, what is this, what is this, what is this, what is this, it automatically puts it into the document 
And then that document can be shared to the client the way you would normally do. What this does is it creates a faster efficiency. It is different for anybody that's had to do this than going into a form, taking the master template, opening it up, and then tab carriaging from each field to make sure it's filled in properly. Especially when there's blocks of paragraphs that may not be applicable. So even though you're filling in the form portions that are for data input, there are blocks of data that need to be taken out because they're not applicable to this person. In other words, some things you may be speaking to from a business contract, corporate meeting event contract, are not applicable to a Smurf sales contract and certainly vice versa. There's a lot of stuff that's in a Smurf contract as to you know, colors and layouts and what tablecloths and chair covers and centerpieces that just don't exist in the context of a corporate meeting event outline, banquet event order, as an example that we're using for this conversation. So forms like crawlq.ai become very helpful because really then, if you answer the question, is this a corporate meeting event or Smurf, and you say corporate, that stuff's automatically not put into the context of the information you're sharing. It's just omitted because you indicated it's this versus that. So conditionally, that content isn't put in. Or inversely, it's added in because you indicated it. So that makes it much faster for somebody that is multitasking and or limited into the resources they can delegate this to, to facilitate this. Obviously, there is much more expanded ways of doing this kind of information. This, this goes a lot of ways into a lot of content development for things um, internally that are of huge help of uh, being able to expedite content uh, without having to go through the dynamic data insertion and omission of content or inclusion of content that normally goes with customizing information dialogue like this. So our technique this week, needs versus resources, the new dilemma, a possible solution is the efficiencies of some platforms like crawlq.ai. And that brings us to now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So our news and show review had a wonderful time with Miss Tammy Carlisle from Milestone Internet, Mr. Dean Schmidt with Basecamp Meta, Mr. Tim Peter from Tim Peter and Associates, Mr. Edward Sedange from Flip2. Uh, always a wonderful dialogue with all of them. Uh, always a pleasure when it comes to contrasting opinions and perspectives. Uh, I threw out the targeted startup conversation to the statement of, are we approaching a larger than expected demand cliff? What he intended with this statement of request was knowing the abnormally large summer travel surge that we have experienced, this amazing flood of demand. And I'm not saying it's universal, uh, it's regional, but it's a lot of regions because people were so pent up in their travel interest that when the opportunity came because of vaccinations and ability to travel and the changing reduction and restrictions, people went and did whatever it could be to get traveling. That also meant we as an industry did what we normally do, which is expanded our rates to look for rate resistance and there was no rate resistance. So we started racking and stacking rates on the back door. For those that are in the industry know that's the highest rate of applicable by law we can put to the room. We're our main bread and butter that we're offering for the room. At the same time that we reduced our service profiles, we had limited labor. We had already restricted uh, our basic services that we used to have prior to COVID, which was housekeeping primarily, as also to things like breakfast buffets or food and beverage service and also amenities like spas and golf and so forth. So here we are charging the most we can possibly charge and offering the least amount of 
services and actually less than what we used to do with services even when we did that. Needless to say, our pushback from all this was a huge consumer sentiment negative dilemma that came out of all of that. Well, that's all been happening and it's still currently happening in summer as we begin to wind into going past summer, but we're not there yet. And... What are we looking at? What's the business profile change? We've already seen it in some markets that are heavy for travel with families that have kids going back to school. Uh, we know that historically, once school begins to go in session, based on the regionality and the, and the, the country that they're at, um, then we know that there's a changing profile of demographics. The people that travel because the kids aren't traveling, uh, they're empty nesters or those without families, um, and that we're waiting for the kids to get back to school so they're not having to have them underfoot, so to speak, and go and do their travel experiences. But how does that look nowadays? Because we have a mixture of people that are going back to school and those that are taking advantage of virtual learning. We have people that aren't in the office anymore that are still at home. And how is that going to affect their ability to travel? Those people that may want to work while they're traveling. There's a whole change of profile and demographics and and traveling interest that is not historically data-based. We don't know. We only have general beliefs of what things are. Uh, that summer changes at this point into fall and people travel in fall because of those that are first interested in say leaf peeping season and those that are traveling to areas that were heavily trafficked with families that now aren't like amusement parks and event destination places and so forth how is that changing is it changing and how is that changing the demand that people are experiencing right now which is what i brought up the conversation about are we approaching a larger than expected demand cliff is is the boon over of summer travel, pent up summer travel demand augmentation uh, to now a more reasonable level? Or is it just carry on? Now it's the fall version of the blown up demand that now people of that demographic are going to exploit. So it was a fun conversation. Uh, one thing, no, several things that came out of the conversation really is really the blanket statement, which is agreed by everyone that marketing should never be shut off. Marketing, unfortunately, from those that don't do it and or see it at just a cost value, do not understand that marketing is really related to communication and sales is a part of that communication, but it is not the sole purpose of what marketing does. And I say that with the caveat that um, there was a back uh, a backwatering of marketing. As a matter of fact, um, Forbes brought out the fact that um, the marketing expenditure for the past 90 days is at its lowest point for those surveyed, uh, large companies and so forth, uh, than it has ever been for them recorded because a lot of companies did not see the need to market because they were overwhelmed with demand. And that is an unfortunate correlation of you're thinking by me spending money on marketing today that it's going to have even more of a negative impact on the level of service that you can't provide for the line that you already have through your front door waiting to get service that you have limited volume on. And that's not the case. It is because it can affect it. It is because it is the purpose of trying to get business for you. But marketing is also about communication for the future tense of people's interest, the future tense of their discovery and their future tense of acquisition of staying with you. Shutting it off only creates a future gap in your ability to demand, create demand for or to take advantage of your demand to your market. Shutting it off now means that you're creating a gap down the road because people's lack of awareness now when they're looking to discover you or looking to educate themselves about you, looking at you to make the choice of making a later reservation are blacked out 
and they don't know of you as an option because you're not marketing intentionally and which means somebody else in your market is and will get the business you might and should have gotten. So we had that conversation. We had some great quotes. I love the one that Tim did uh, referring to Mark Twain's quote because of the way we were looking at data past and present. He said, Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. Brilliant perspective always, Mark Twain. Thank you, bud. Um, Also, other statements were in our conversation. People pay for value, not a price. And that goes back to the value proposition of what we're offering for what we're charging. And it goes to, again, the logistics issues that we've had over the summer in relationship to our ability to provide service based on the value of what we have. So one news item that I want to make sure we bring into the conversation that we didn't get to talk about on the live show was an article from McKinsey.com called A Travel Boom is Looming, But Is the Industry Ready? Uh, Strangely, given the current circumstances that we're now unfortunately seeing in the news, and I live firsthand in Florida, is we are dealing with a different beast with the COVID pandemic. And not to politicize this or get into the contention of masks and no masks, but it does, and for the purpose of our conversation today, talk about the impact on our industry. And I do believe that there is a looming boom, yes, but I don't believe it in the context of the way the article was trying to describe it. I bring this article in not because I want to discredit it or or say against it, but I do want to bring up some of the aspects that they mentioned uh, in their four actions that travel travel players, being travel industry people, should or must consider. the one that I want to focus on is literally their point number two. I'm ignoring the other ones because I think there's contention in anything. For example, when they say bring back capacity, I think that is a very broad stroke statement. And I don't think that is relevant to a lot of uh, particular areas uh, about being a solution process and also to a most wise one considering what's going on with the uh, the industry. And I think this article was written prior to the expansion of our almost hourly news that we're getting. Uh, relationship to COVID and COVID spreading with the Delta variant. But the second one I want to focus in on, invest innovatively to improve the entire customer journey, I think is truly a value proposition statement to make. Um, Yes, industries had the uh, reason why they didn't do a lot of things that they should have done, improving their tech stack, improving their efficiencies, improving the things that usually are detriment to their business if they were to take be taken offline, like redoing your website and or your tech stack or things like I mentioned um, during COVID when there was nothing they could do about it and their business was possibly even not allowed to operate because of it and they didn't take advantage of it. Even with that having been the excuse prior to it, Summer has been a trove of business for a lot of people. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our industry people uh, are looking at it as a way of trying to compensate for all the lost revenues of the year before. I know I understand it's a business decision, but that also means that they tried to squeeze the rock too much and um, it didn't help them in, uh, in their consumer sentiment of people, of their business. Even if they had good reputations before this, uh, they lost a lot of that because of their inability to actually perform the services, even though they may have the intent to. Uh, but it also means that they were exploitive in their rates to try to generate the revenues because there was no resistance to the rate to get the demand that they had. Um, from that end, uh, they need to, if they're going to move forward, especially in, to make reparations to the, the consumer sentiment of their business, improve on their customer journey. They need to focus on what it is that is the engagement of a guest with them in both the discovering of them, 
discovering of the value of them, discovering of the value that they are represent for them, then into the education process of what it is they should be considered for and what their opportunity of value is into the actual transaction past that point. And a lot of that is about communication, content, and ability to communicate the timeliness of, the, of that. You throw into that, we have had gone through and we're seeing the impact of this now, the dilution of third party tracking and data. Now, Google auspiciously slowed down their program to uh, reduce third-party tracking, but uh, Apple has moved forward, meaning Safari as the browser. We already know Firefox has moved forward. So Chrome is the only one that's chilled, allowing for some aspects, most aspects of third-party tracking to persist, but there is now creating statistical relevance of the lack of tracking because of the other platforms. Because even though you may not be using Safari as a browser, you are using an Apple product. An Apple product has created a fence as to what they are allowing or not allowing uh, for trackability or the allowance based on the decision of the owner of that, the user. The other is Facebook. Facebook is in high contention with places like Apple because of those restrictions. And everyone's giving the caveat in their data that because of these variations in tracking, the accuracy and or full value of the tracking data that they're providing may not be completely accurate. Now, depending on how and whom you're marketing demographically as to the types of products they use, that could be a very small or smaller number. It's not a huge number, but it has an impact number. But it does create doubt or latitude of interpretation that's not helpful. Data is best served in its completeness and then evaluated based on its truth of information, not in its subjugation of statistical relevance and or variations to make a point that maybe it isn't making. Um, so because of that, we need to improve on our first party data correlation, our customer engagement with them, with us. That's a controllable first-person perspective. The data of a guest engaging with us or potential guest engaging with us is a high-value proposition to the purpose of our funnel of customer journey experience. So to that end, I will give the article uh, complete credit in its value proposition uh, for us. So with that, thank you. Remember, you can join us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pando, or tune in. The list goes on. Uh, we're on 39 platforms and counting. You can even ask uh, uh, on platforms such as Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri to just simply play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and it will do so. No matter which one you may use, please, please, please uh, rate us and leave a comment. Uh, that gives us great feedback as to the content you would like to hear more about, as also it helps other people discover our content that may not be aware of what we are presenting. Um, if you, if this is your first time hearing us, by all means, please subscribe to us on the platform you discovered us on or any of the 38 that we're out there on as well. Um, and of course, uh, for an archive of any podcast, including this one, you can go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash podcast or hospitalitychannel.tv. There you'll find replays of all of our shows, including this one. And don't forget, of course, our video live talk show that we broadcast on every Friday, 1130 a.m. Eastern U.S. time called This Week in Hospitality Marketing. Uh, the live show or you can simply go to hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com forward slash live look for episode or show number 313 or you can go to hospitalitychannel.tv which is where we're moving everything over all of our stuff is going to hospitalitychannel.tv and as I mentioned in a previous podcast we do have a TV channel you can watch us on Roku you can watch us on Apple TV you can watch us on Google TV you can watch us on uh, Amazon Prime as well uh, Firestick and things like this as well 
well as also an app, which is all called Hospitality Channel. Apple and Android, we're everywhere in that sense. Uh, in addition to our simulcasting on all of the social platforms of Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, this goes on. So with that, thank you for the privilege of your time. My name is Lauren Gray, and we look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 313 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserve, Copyright 2021. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.